Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. My name is Ash and here within the studio we have Robert. Good afternoon. And in today's episode we will be talking about PCI, HIPAA, and OSHA compliance. And to help us better understand these compliance requirements, we have Danielle McKinley from PCI HIPAA. Danielle, also known as the HIPAA chick, has worked in risk mitigation for over a decade and consulted thousands of practices. Her passion in helping doctors, dentists, and business associates understand how to get compliant and how to protect themselves from a compliance incident with minimal time and resources. Hello, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. Thank you so much for making the time to be here with us. How are you? I am very well today. Never been better. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you. So, you know, before we get started, um, me, myself, I'm familiar with HIPAA and OSHA. But PCI is a term that I'm not too familiar with. So if you can tell us what that is. Yeah, sure. So to start, PCI stands for the payment card industry. And Uh. it is the rules and regulations around credit card acceptance. And I would say the big misconception in healthcare is that a credit card incident is not just a credit card incident. It is also considered a HIPAA violation in many cases. So there is a double liability for healthcare practices that accept credit cards, making it extra important for them to be PCI compliant. You know, I think most of our clients don't even know the, the they couldn't tell you what PCI stands for. And, and I think most of them don't even know there's a rule that you're supposed to comply with uh, when you're dealing with credit card information. I would say that you are spot on. And that stems from the fact that, you know, these compliance requirements that we're talking about today, the, the bottom line is they're not taught in school. So you you don't know what you don't know. And as accountants, you know for sure that taxes aren't taught in school. So everyone can relate to to not being taught how to file their taxes and and compliance isn't taught in dental or medical school. So that's the reason we exist is to help educate on these things. Uh, you know, I think a, a lot of clients, one, they're not aware that they're supposed to be compliant. Two, they don't even know what compliance means. You know, and, and three, maybe you can also tell us what the penalties are if they're not compliant. Yeah, you know, that that's the case. And there, I always say, you know, it's easy to procrastinate things that don't bring you joy. And I don't know many people that get excited about HIPAA or OSHA compliance. So it's often something that is pushed to the wayside because A, it's not exciting. It's not something that was taught and it can feel very uh, overwhelming. But ignoring compliance for your practice equals major risk because the penalties on the HIPAA side range anywhere from 10,000 to 1.5 million per violation. So with that amount of risk, it's something you do not want to ignore. 
So what's the penalty based on? I mean, if you've got a practice that's collecting less money than that a year, then I know doctors are probably thinking they wouldn't hit me with that kind of penalty. I don't even make that much in a whole year. Yeah. And and that's exactly why we help because one incident could easily put a small practice out of business. So we actually advocate for the small to mid-sized practice to avoid those penalties and address their compliance requirements so that they can really rest easy and have peace of mind that, okay, if I am audited or there is a data breach, like a ransomware attack, I'm going to be okay. I have a plan to recover and I'm not going to be hit with massive penalties. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what you do and and, and what you would have the client do if they're just calling you cold and they have no idea what they're supposed to be doing. Sure. You know, so the, the very best step for anyone that's listening and is not sure where they stand, not sure where to get started, but has concerns is always going to be a HIPAA risk assessment because a risk assessment is required to be conducted every 12 months. It's health and human services way of keeping you informed of compliance changes because HIPAA is a moving target there's always going to be updates. So the very best thing that anyone can do as a starting point is conduct a risk assessment, complete the risk assessment, and schedule a consultation to review the results to get an understanding of where your practice is at. So I do the consultation and help answer any questions that the practice has and really coach them through, hey, these are the gaps. Here's why those gaps exist. And here's some solution options to correct them and mitigate the the financial risk associated with noncompliance. And when you do this uh, risk assessment, is that something you do remotely or do you do it in person? It is. So everything that we do is remote. And that is so that we can make things um, complimentary in some cases where they totally get the assessment and consult for free and then keeping the solutions affordable because with modern technology, it's something that can be done totally remote for a practice. And when you do the risk assessment or, or the whole PCI compliance, who do you work with? Is it typically a front desk person or is it the doctor or both? Yeah, great question. So um, most common, I would say it's 50-50 doctor or office manager. And then there's a large percentage that we do it with both. So um, I would say, well, the most common would be like an office manager takes the assessment because they're usually more familiar with the information than the doctor. Doctors are usually delegating to a team member. And then the point person and the doctor sit in on the review. And how long does the risk assessment take? So the risk assessment that we offer takes 10 to 15 minutes to complete is all. And then we do a a free 30-minute consultation to understand the results and provide a copy of the report to fulfill the requirement for the year. I see. And what are some of the common myths about compliance? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, I will narrow it down to two that I've seen most frequently recently. So first one is going to be around staff training. So a lot of practices assume that I'm sending my team to a CE or we listened to a, a training or we had a small dialogue at our practice about do's and don'ts. That isn't going to cut it. And the reason you want to make sure that your training process is compliant 
is because 90% of data breaches stem from human error. So what is a compliant training solution? Well, there's three main things that health and human services will look for. The first one is making sure you're able to show proof of the material you're using to educate. So they want to see what content are you using to inform your team. The second is accountability. Everyone can agree that HIPAA is not exciting. So they want to see that there was some way to measure the team's understanding of the information. And then lastly, and most important for the owner, is having the acknowledgement forms where each team member signs off that they know where to find the HIPAA manual, they understand the do's and don'ts, and they are willing to do everything they can to fulfill those responsibilities. Now, the second misconception is around business associates. So I don't mean business associates in the sense of you have an associate doctor who's practicing but not an owner. What HIPAA means by business associates is third-party vendors like your firm or an IT firm or their practice management software. And by law, each practice is required to inform those vendors through a business associate agreement that if they cause an incident or an exposure of information at the practice, they are responsible for cleaning it up. And if a practice doesn't have a business associate agreement and can't show proof that they've sent that to their vendors, they will end up being responsible for an incident caused by a third party. So top two misconceptions that I'm seeing currently are around staff training and business associate agreements. You know, it's amazing because I can't tell you how few business associate agreements we've been sent by our doctors. I mean, we have hundreds of clients and I can remember less than half a dozen that we've received. So, yeah, and they, they commonly think that if the vendor, because some vendors are very proactive, like your firm, where you've enrolled with a solution provider and you've sent the agreement yourself and they'll assume that that covers them. But the covered party is the sender of the document. So what your firm is doing is saying to your clients, hey, I'm aware of this. Here's an agreement that says so. But if they can't prove they've mutually exchanged by sending you one, they're vulnerable for pen like penalties that we talked about at the beginning. Okay, so just to be to 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 beat on that point a minute, if I send you one, that's not good enough to cover you. You have to send me one as well for you to be covered. Correct. The intention of that area of the law is to truly protect the practice from an incident caused by a third-party vendor. So the practice needs to be the sender and the, the vendor receiving it can either sign that agreement or provide the practice with their own version, which is what your firm's doing. Okay. And so I guess that was my next question. Uh, these are agreements that you provide to your clients to send out? They are. So we do all of the required policies and procedures for both HIPAA and OSHA. And all of the documentation is attorney backed and customized to the practice. So one of those policies and procedures is the business associate agreement. Okay. Well, what other points do you need to let people know about that are important with the PCI compliance? Um, so with PCI compliance relating to, you know, credit card processing, they, 
they, to protect themselves from the double liability, there's three things that have to be in place. A self-assessment questionnaire that is all about how you're processing payments, if you're storing information, if you're doing payment plans, how your terminal or equipment is connected, and then having a quarterly vulnerability scan making sure that that's done by a qualified scanning assessor. It's not something an IT firm can do. And then having a certificate on file that's renewed every 12 months. So those three things are going to protect the practice from a double liability if a credit card breach happens. Okay. So if I'm a front desk person at a dentist office and the doctor wants me to call patient XYZ and collect money and I call them, they give me their credit card number and I write it down. And then I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to keep this in my drawer because next time they owe money, I'm just going to run their card. Yeah, that is, that would be a true PCI violation. <laughs> <laughs> so we've come a long way from keeping a notebook of all your clients' credit card numbers, right? Yes, <laughs> ideally, right? Then we still see it from time to time, but the ideal situation would be to not store it manually on like a three-ring binder. So- what is the proper way to store that information? So you can absolutely store credit card numbers. Um, what you want to make sure of is that with your vendor, you're setting up recurring payments or automatic bill pay features. So that allows you to store the information in a secure software, or what's called as a virtual terminal. And then you're able to pull on it from there. It, it basically truncates the card number so that anyone viewing the software can only see the last four digits, but you can run the payment as needed or schedule it to run automatically. And that would be a compliant way of storing that data. Sounds like there's a lot of things to consider in keeping compliant, not only with PCI, but HIPAA. And I'm just wondering what the cost of all this is for a client. If they've done absolutely nothing, they're calling you for the first time because one of their buddies told them something about maybe he got fined and all of a sudden they're in a panic and they need your service. What does it cost them to become compliant from zero to 100%? Yeah, so it, it depends on what they need. But it can range anywhere from $229 to $389, um, depending on what their needs are. And that's why they, they need to go through a risk assessment first to, to determine that. Um, and there is absolutely no cost to take a risk assessment and have the consultation to at least get the information. So that part is invaluable because whether you decide to work with my firm or go another direction, you'll at least walk away from that meeting with a very clear understanding of where you're at, what needs to be addressed, and an option to clean up the, the deficiencies. Interesting. I'm also thinking about something else that you had mentioned earlier. So you said that the business owner needs to find a way to quantitatively measure the understanding of his or her employee's uh, HIPAA training. Um, let's say the business owner is not capable of doing that. Is that something that you or your company will be, would be able to help them with? 
Yeah, absolutely. So part of the solution, so our program is designed to be a one-stop solution to meet all the compliance needs. We are in the space of automating compliance so that they can focus, practices can focus where they want to, which is treating patients, growing their business, and enjoying their personal life. So training is absolutely included in the solution, and it, it checks the box of that accountability requirement you're referring to to test the team. There's quizzes that they complete, and all of our training material for both HIPAA and OSHA is accredited. So the team will receive CE credit for doing something they have to do anyway every 12 months. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And the pricing that you had told us earlier, does that include these training it does. Yeah. Oh, wow. So um, it's, you know, the, the thing is, is that compliance can get really expensive when you're piecemealing. So when you're working with multiple vendors to meet all of the needs, we're seeing costs between $700 and $1,000 per month. Mm-hmm. So our, our whole business model is how can we help the small to mid-sized practice? How can we do so in an affordable way that requires very little resources but truly gives them protection and peace of mind. That that is the the forefront of how our solution was designed. And for the price you quoted, the the I think you said two twenty nine a month. That's incredible to me that it's that little. How can you make any money doing that? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of insight. So um, one of the ways that we're able to remain like very agile and always be adding new solutions and features to our program is because we own our software. So that gives us a lot of freedom to make changes. We innovate by customer feedback and listening to the office manager and the doctor that's really using the service. So a a big reason why we're able to be priced so affordable is because we do own our technology. Okay. And and tell us how long you've been around or how long your your business has been around, how long you've been doing this, how many dental offices have you worked with? Yeah. So um, I have been doing this for over a decade. I personally have coached thousands of practices and our firm is nationwide. We really became, you know, as a, when you're starting a new business, it takes a little while to, to figure out your direction and, and really what you're doing. And I would say that, you know, we, we were founded in 2012 and we've really started to help more practices and grow in 2015. And currently we service just over 5,000 practices nationwide. Wow. That's a lot. Any markets that you're more into than others? Is there any part of the country that you would have trouble taking a client in? No. So we can take a client located in any state. I would say, you know, in in terms of like vertical, we launched our business through dental and we, we really wanted to focus on one vertical to figure out the right process. So 80% of our practices are dental practices, but we can support any privately owned healthcare practice. What about medical practices in other countries other than the United States? Do you work with them? No, because the laws don't apply outside of the U.S. Uh, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So that's great. I mean, okay, to sum it up, if there was one thing that a practice can do to prepare for an incident, what would you say that would be? 
take a risk assessment and and complete that review because the best way to prepare for an incident is to have a plan. So one of the things that we will review on the consultation is what should your incident response plan look like? What are the breach notification laws and steps that you're responsible for? So the you know, going through that consult, you'll be able to gain all of those learnings. And the the very best way to protect yourself, like I said, is with a plan and then making sure that you have appropriate cyber and data breach insurance coverage. Oh, that's amazing. Now, this insurance coverage that you just mentioned, is that also something that your company would be able to help out the clients with? It is. Yeah. So our program does come with a quarter of a million dollars in cyber and data breach insurance that is designed specifically to cover the costs associated with cleaning up an incident. So when a practice becomes compliant, the penalties we talked about at the beginning, ranging from 10,000 to 1.5 million, Mm -hmm. when they're on our platform, that risk goes away because they're compliant. So the only financial exposure they then have is the cleanup costs for an incident. And that's what the insurance is there for, is to prevent that expense. So, you know, if I were to really simplify what we do, we get practices compliant. We keep them compliant. If something happens, we have their back and the insurance pays for the expense. So I know a lot of the um, insurance agents that sell office contents coverage are pushing cyber coverage into their policies. Does a client really need that if they're using you? Um, So it would depend. I mean, we would have our license. So I'm not a licensed insurance agent. We would have our broker take a look at their individual situation, like size, number of locations and things like that to really make certain that we're, we're guiding them properly But what makes our insurance very unique from what you're describing is that it's coupled with a compliance solution that's omitting the opportunity of non-compliance penalties. And then it's also coupled with an incident response team. And our incident response team is made up of breach coaches, HIPAA attorneys, and forensic investigators. So if a practice is on our program and has a data breach, they're going to call us. We're going to fill out an incident report. And that team of responders is going to step in and take over the cleanup so they can continue practicing as normal, where with a standalone insurance policy like what you were describing, the practice is going to be responsible for navigating the breach notification laws, filing claims to get reimbursement from the insurance, and they're going to be taken away from their day-to-day business activities, which means they're going to also incur revenue losses. You know, it's great information, certainly overwhelming, and I hope some of the listeners take it to heart. If there was one thing you could tell the listeners that might encourage them to to seek compliance, what would that be? You know, I so I very much value the the act of delegation. So in my experience with like business coaches and mentors, the most successful people typically have two things in common. They are masters of delegation and they deeply understand their strengths and weaknesses. So for the listeners, it's, it's, if you really ask yourself, you know, do I want to become an expert in compliance or do I want to focus more on what I'm already an expert at? treating patients. And if the answer to that is I want to focus on what I'm already an expert at, then 
outsourcing compliance and getting an understanding of how you can enlist the help of a third-party vendor for this part of your business is going to be extremely helpful. Well, that's super. I appreciate you being with us today. I know it's a lot of information, Ash. Yeah, and those were some wise words. No, seriously, I'm very sure that our listeners are going to appreciate what she had to say today. So thank you again for being with us here today and sharing your fruitful knowledge with our listeners. My pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Anytime. And if any of the listeners want to get in touch with us to see how to engage your company, then Ash, how do they do that? Of course. So they can reach us via our email, info at eandassociates.com. And that's and spelled out A-N-D and not the symbol. Super. Thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.